again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 214th program of Think Again. Think Again is a program of Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that's been working for social change for nearly 26 years. I'm Jennifer Burrell, your host today, with Shark having another week off, probably sunning on the beach somewhere. (laughs) But we do have Mari Brennan in the studio, who is a member of the board of Borderlands Cooperative. Mari is going to talk about what's happening with our universities and she's very well qualified to do this, having had professorial roles at several universities, University of Canberra, Victoria University and the University of South Australia. And she's also researched and written about the dire changes in our university system. Welcome to the program, Mari Brennan. Thanks, Jennifer. The real privilege and pleasure to have you here. So to jump right into it, Mari, can you tell us about uh, the fundamental changes that have happened in the university sector since the 1990s, particularly the shift in power and resources to central management away from academic staff? Thanks, Jennifer. I think there, there was never a golden age. There was always managerialism. But um, I think a key issue that has shifted the sector in Australia has been the cut in the late 90s of 40% of the operating grant, which meant that that has never been returned. Mm. So when was that cut? Between 96 and 2000. Okay. And what that really meant was that uh, universities had to find other sources of income just to be able to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also meant restructuring of universities. But the other source of income that was taken up was largely the international student. Mm. Um, and that really pushed the whole thing in the whole sector into kind of competing with each other. Um, we have a market for... Um, for the university sector and we, and all of the institutions had to magnify what had been very minor differences mm. um, really into major ones that they could market themselves by and attract students and um, many of the states were very um, very much involved in that whole process so for example, South Australia, you know, the university state and all of that kind of stuff um, because they're relying on it for, for income. And what that has also meant is a kind of a prevalence of budgetarianism. Everything is about the bottom line mm. and that that turned it into um, an easier way for manage, for the senior people to take up that whole process of very authoritarian managerials mm. sort of approaches which also created a distance between the management caste, if you like, and the rest of the university and a lot of speed policy 
you know, w- without much consultation or discussion or anything. You know, this is what we're going to do. And that was um, reinforced in the 2000s by Brendan Nelson, who was the Minister for um, Education and um, that included universities. And he decided that even though universities are set up in each state um, by Acts of Parliament, that he would um, require a certain number of people and and a certain composition of the university councils, which had previously had students and staff as full members and they had to be much smaller and more business-oriented, and that that reinforced that managerial corporatisation. Mm-hmm. You know, we we work like a corporation, which is for profit, even though universities are not for profit. Yeah. I think um, Tudge, um, the Education Minister Tudge, mm-hmm. uh, said something about um, focusing on industry partnerships and making students work ready, so yeah. all, all feeding into the broader economy. Yeah, that's and that's... Um, that's had a really huge effect on what counts inside the university because what counts is commercialisation. So even the people who are in STEM, the sciences, technology and um, mathematics and things, um, which are currently being pushed very strongly, but that goes right back to the um, to the Howard years. And... What that means is we can only look at research and we, what we want as teachers who will do, um, or, you know, economists or whoever, engineers, who are going to be helping think about certain things that are going to be able to be commercialised. So that's mm. changed what counts as good research. Yeah, and, and which also assumes that you can tell in advance what research is going to be able to be commercialised anyway. That's right. I mean, it's a ridiculous idea that you can that you can predict what's needed, but it's also meant that um, the humanities and social sciences have been really devalued. Um, because um, they're rarely able to be um, commercialised in the same kind of way. But it also tends to mean that the kind of critical edge and the capacity for dissent about what's going on in the country was really closed down because a lot of the people in humanities and social sciences are the people who lead a lot of that work. And that that's been... Um, really critical, seriously undermined it. It's a critical analysis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the scientists who are working on environmental issues, for example, have are also um, very much under the issue of you can't dissent internally. You know, it, that's been one of the effects on the staffing is that, you know, people now sign their um, employment contracts and it says you can't do anything to bring the university into disrepute, so you can't have internal dissent. Mm. And that's also reinforced by things like the enterprise bargaining process, which meant, you know, from the 90s really, um, that every institution has to spend a lot of time doing their enterprise bargaining, which sets management against 
mm-hmm. unions and against, so therefore against the staff, both professional staff and academic yeah. staff. And, and that was something I wanted to ask you about, Murray. What effect is all of this having on university staff? So you've just started to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, the issue of... Um, the, the thing about managerialism and its authoritarian nature is that it continues the patriarchy and that that um, a lot of the junior staff and the um, casual staff are being really exploited and a lot of them are women mm-hmm. and they, therefore there's not much in the way of career paths there. But it, it occurs right across the board of genders, and um, and what what I think starts to happen is in the there's been lots of restructures, which is another word for downsizing. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost seventeen and a half thousand staff during COVID mm-hmm. well, that's from huge. the sector. That is really huge, and it was done really kind of. In the name of we're all we're all facing really tough times economically because we've lost the international students that kind of stuff, but part of the problem is that they're only doing short term thinking about redundancies and voluntary whatever. So they'll let people go or they'll target particular areas in the restructure, but they're not actually looking more than a year or so out. They're just looking to balance the budget, which has had really serious issues because, you know, quite often the most expensive people are obviously more senior and you lose all your senior people and then people are doing acting in senior jobs who haven't really had the background and experience to be able to do that and that makes it easier for the senior management to act on um, the middle management which have become like the foot soldiers. Foot soldiers of management, yeah. Yeah. And I I understand uh, the central management councils, is that what they're called? I understand they used to have a lot more academic staff in them Mm -hmm. and you've got a lot more of... um, Business people. Business people. So they're the people making the decisions, but they're not voted in either. No. Um, So they're making the decisions, but I guess from what you're saying is they're not really informed about the substance of the teaching and the research and the fields that they're making decisions about. That's right. And they're not even um, informed about the professional work that is needed to make something happen. You know, whether... I mean, another effect of the staffing issues is um, is this huge growth of casualisation. And most universities keep saying, well, we're going to cut this down. But um, one of their other, the other strategies in many universities is to turn academics into teaching only instead of teaching and research. Mm-hmm. And that that actually means that you'd separate out the researchers so you might have more research only or and a few people who do teaching and research but the great bulk of people have these huge workloads um of just teaching yeah and and what how what does what effect does that have on staff morale and how they feel about their work well some of the research that we've done is that you know the not just burnout but um people saying, well, I'm just here to implement, you know, what someone else has written. Um, 
but a whole lot of the cas- both the casual staff and the teaching only staff have huge backgrounds in good pedagogy etc but in the um workload a- allocations you don't get i mean you're supposed to do to uh, mark a 3000 word essay in 20 minutes well there's no way you can be even read that for example in the humanities and social sciences so assessment has become narrower um it's become and it and it is often taken up by junior people all the all the work has to be done by junior people teaching only junior people and that that actually puts a huge pressure on them but they aren't paid for student consultation time so that means, I mean, that reinforces the idea of students are now the customers of the university rather than, you know, being there as partners in teaching and learning um, or as researchers. Yeah, so uh, on that note, I think, Murray, we might go to a break. Mm. I'm really interested in um, a topic that you've probably started that I'm really interested in too is the effect this has on the quality of the education. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll talk about that after the break. But in the meantime, let's listen to Educate the Masses by Blue King Brown. (laughs) Really? have a conscience you should know just how to use it don't be like them fools they go around and just abuse it all your thoughts be locked up in them stories that they tell you now you surely understand that's how this system molds you educate the masses and they'll stand for what is right and they're creeping up on you in the middle of the night gather up their hopes and dreams Light it up tonight Cause they know the reasons why And you think that you are free Well, living in this system I'm afraid that just can't be No, they don't even look at you Like you're a human being You're just a legal fiction Man once spoke in their machine So educate the masses And we'll stand for what is right And we're creeping up on you In the middle of the night Gather up our hopes and dreams We throw them to the sky and light it up tonight cause we know that we're alive Understand who we are. 
You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jennifer Burrell and today we have in the studio Mari Brennan, who is professor at several universities and is telling us about the crisis that's absolutely devastating our universities really tragically I think. So Mari before the break uh, you were describing what has been happening with universities and the effects on academic staff and you also started to talk a bit about the effect on the quality of the education for students in talking about uh, how uh, uh, casual staff are forced to do really fast assessments that they can, for example, you can't uh, correct an essay and give posi- um, creative, constructive feedback, I mean, in 20 mm-hmm. minutes. So so I guess my question is, how is all the, all the changes in the university system since the 1980s and the pressures of commercialisation and top-down management, top-down command and control, how is that all affecting the quality the quality of the education, which we're meant to be so good at in Australia, as a, providing as a product. So how's it all affecting the quality of education being provided by Australian universities? Well, I mean, it does vary from university to university, often um, depending on whether you're an elite university um, with more money. Um, and it... But... Sorry... It is a really tough time because partly because of the workload issues. If you're working huge numbers of hours as an early career researcher who has to get runs on the board in order to be able to get time in their in their work allocation to do some research, so you're not a teaching-only person, then what that does is make it really, really hard for them to have a good, enough good time to plan and prepare and everybody's workload is awful. Mm. Everybody's. And what about the size of tutorials? Yeah, well, many places have got them as 35. I well, mean, that's you... ridiculous. That's not even a tutorial, is no. it? No, it's a class or, a, you know, back in the, back in the days at, when I was an undergrad at Melbourne, you know, your tutorial would be 15. Mm. Um and the poorer the universities, the larger the, the size. And distance education, um, now called you know online, um, makes it appear that it's very easy to manage all these people. But the quality, it's very hard because good teaching, for example, um, and I will get to a bit about the implications for research later, but good teaching requires you to be, to know your students mm. and you have to build a relationship in order to be able to help them grow from where they are to where they might want to go and where where they might need to go in the particular discipline area that you're working on if you don't have enough time to do that and you don't get to spend enough time with your students then what they get is a standardized sort of teaching to the middle, if you like, or teaching to the top end. So that that makes it very hard for many students to really um, engage and get excited, mm. you know, and, and that you really need that to, in order to get the best outcomes for the students 
and so they can imagine what they are how how do i work as a mathematician or a you know scientist or a performing artist or a, or a teacher or a journalist all of those issues they become there's ethical issues in there and it's really really hard to both be a t- a good teacher and the ethical responsibility to future generations and and knowing your students and it's also for the students to understand the ethical dimensions of the work that they're doing as knowledge workers you know because all of us are knowledge workers staff and students and so that growth of standardization the lack of time and capacity it also means that you tend to have little a program which is made up of little bits but like it's modules. not yes but not it's not coordinated as well mm-hmm. and although um the overall programs will be approved the in the day to day it's really hard to realize that yeah and what about research if you could briefly say yeah. something about research well the the issue then is every all the staff are um they get their metrics their their measurements have you done you know a published in a in a top level journal have you got a grant have you um finished supervising a student in 3 years for a phd that kind of stuff that affects the staff as much as it does the students and the student researchers as well as the staff have are getting less and less money really um and that that actually makes like for example in my field education research has been really really underfunded mm-hmm. even in the national um arena so they don't get a share of of the, what available research money there is they get very little of it well, that's rather ironic since yes. the whole product that we're selling overseas to overseas students is education that's right Yeah. So thank you for that, Mari. <laughs> um so I'm going to try and have a bit of a positive turn now. <laughs> so I because I can see you holding up a big wrong way go back sign to our universities. Uh and it's, it's certainly unsustainable. Uh what redirection would you suggest our universities take? I think we've got to undermine marketization because that's that what that does is push for everything to be about accumulation of profits and um and competition we actually have to start much more collaboration both across the universities and internally and i think we've got to also work much more toughly on the problems of our time you know that whether it's climate um planetary um collapse um whether it's uh you know unstable weather and its effects like bushfires floods droughts um food security water security all of those issues are there they are all both social and not and you know physical if you like um and that requires us to do a lot more interdisciplinary work but we also need to make that local 
because the things that someone discovers up at up at the Northern Cape are going to be very different to someone who's living in East Gippsland or in Tasmania, for example, or Central Australia. So we've got to think really hard about making community um, community partnerships to try and work on the local problems that matter. That's a topic that my partner Lou and I have written about as b- mm. both affecting schools Lucy as well as universities, yes. Mm. Um, and trying to think through what that means at a university level means we've got to think differently about what's the purpose of a university. Is mm. It's there for the good of society mm. and it's its knowledge work, I think, is now more urgent but it actually needs to be shared because there's knowledge out there in the communities. They know how these issues are affecting them. They also know and have some ideas about where they might go. And what we've got to do is is work with them to bring the knowledges together to try and act locally. And that means, you know, usually university thinking is about, uh, how will I put it, abstracting things from the local and having generalisations or or final um, understandings of what find, findings are. But we're not going to get those kind of conditions and that means we've got to think much harder about how do we work together? How do we work across our disciplinary boundaries inside the university but also how do we work with um, activists, um, how do we work with um, the the ethical issues that re- mean we're taking public money to do things? It ought to, they ought to be important things, things that actually help make the planet and people's lives mm-hmm. um, more just, more fair, more sustainable. And how does that how does that affect how we design a teaching program? How does that design you know, help us think about um, what kind of blue skies thinking there might be in the sciences as well as how do we bring the existing knowledge to bear on that problem. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. I suppose uh, with the neoliberal econo- economic rationalist approach, which we used to call it, is, yes. is universities are seen to be serving society by serving the economy. Yes. And it's just assumed that if you serve the economy, you're serving everyone. Whereas mm. what you're saying just makes so much sense, but it shouldn't be so radical, shouldn't it? No, work it's not directly at all radical. With communities. Yep. Work, work um, cross, in a cross-disciplinary way for the public good about issues that matter mm and issues that will impact everyone and the planet into the future. And our students at the universities um, are knowledge workers too. They can be part of those research teams. Mm. They can be part of... That can be part of their teaching Mm. at the university and out there. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I'm afraid I have to bring this to an end, but I would love to have you back on again, as well as Lou Zippin, who's also talked, I think, written a lot of things with you about redirecting universities as well as schools, the place of schools in society. So thank you so much for coming on the program today, Um, even um, scarily one minute before the program started. (laughs) (laughs) 
And thank you for highlighting the crisis in Australian universities, which is obviously unsustainable. But thanks so much for ending with some very positive suggestions. Thanks a lot, Jennifer. So on to community announcement. There's a walk on Sunday to support a yes vote for the voice referendum in October to support there being an Aboriginal advisory group to Parliament. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Think Again Live on 3CR Community Radio today. If you want to contact us or comment on our programs, please email borderlands, borders at borderlands.com.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.